Hello and welcome to Who Are You? This is the Babylon 5 Watchcast, hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while rewatching a classic show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And Laura, we're going to play a little of The One today. Yay, I'm excited. Do we have a drop for this? Oh no, I bet we don't. Crap. Oh, we should have a, we should, it'd be, just play some Ace of Bass. <laughs> right? That's the one? Yeah, that's the song. Yeah. That's okay. The sign? I don't know. Mm. We'll workshop it. Yeah, I know we plan on doing them with guests as they come on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. as we have a couple of, we don't have a lot of guests lined up right now. We haven't met, we haven't made any announcements about any of this because none of it's like, scheduled. Yeah. Until I get a confirmation of a date and time and th- at least a couple of them recorded, we don't announce guests Yeah, because I'm low-key terrified that someone's just not going to be able to make it and we're not going to make it work. Same, uh, yes. But we will hopefully <laughs> have a guest on our movie break in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. We're trying to make, there's been a couple scheduling problems. We're trying to make that happen right now. Right. Um, and then a couple others down the road as well. I'm sure we'll get Vic back, but that's easy these days. Oh, he's so, so great and accessible. Yeah, Ben, I'm sure, will come back. We've got uh, Yum Yum on our calendar right now. But, yeah, I don't know how many more times we'll have this this bit, but we're doing it today. So you want to... I'm starting us off today, right? Yeah, yes. kick us off. Ask me a little question. Laura, what's one book you've read lately? Man. That you dig in. I have not had time to finish a book. I think it's Didn't the holiday's fault. I've just got one that I keep picking back up and I'll get a chapter in here or there. So yeah. have not finished it, but it's part of a trilogy. It's the second book. It's called Authority by James Vandermeer. I hope I'm saying oh. that right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I read Annihilation. Yeah, I've read Annihilation. That. that one was yeah. nice and short. Annihilation was good. <laughs> and it was hard to put down. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I got that book and I kind of just like started it. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got new tires. And while they like I was waiting for like an hour and a half while they did tires and I finished that book. Mm -hmm. I just was just like power reading just like what happens flipping pages. That book was engrossing. How is the sequel? It is also engrossing. But the thing is, it is a little bit thicker of a book. So you're like, well, I'm not going to finish this in one sitting. So you don't have that like urge to just power through it because you're like, oh, I know Mm -hmm. this is so engrossing. And it's also small. Um, yeah, it's engrossing. I am I am intrigued. I haven't gotten very far in it. I keep having to go like one chapter at a time. I'm really hoping that I get some more time with it. But I I recommend it. It's sort of a psychological series. It seems like it is a little bit sci fi y, right? Yeah, the first one was very sci fi horror. Yeah, I'm still getting those vibes from book number two. Good. Totally new character. Don't know as much about this character yet. Um, okay. But I really want to know what was the deal with the first book. I really want to know. I'm hoping I'll get some kind of answers. I think there's a third in the trilogy. There is, yeah. Yeah, that that's what that is that's what makes it a trilogy. <laughs> um, so you might not get your answers for another book still. I know. But let me know how this goes because that's been like in the background of my reading list for a long time. Yeah, we went ahead and bought the third book in anticipation of it being... Yeah. Good. And needing to know the end. But what about you? What's one book you've been into lately? I have been slowly working my way and savoring 
rereading, going through chapters, rereading chapters, just taking my time with The Narrow Road Between Desires. Yeah. Which is Patrick Rothruss. It's part of the King Killer Chronicles. Okay. Um, which is one of my favorite fantasy series of all time. Pending the release of the last book, it's been about 16 years. Oh. <laughs> yeah. First book came out, second book came out like three years later, and now we're the the 10 year anniversary edition of the second book oh, no. would have come out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And hasn't been. But he did do a short story called The Lightning Tree in a collection of a bunch of fantasy short stories that were very popular at the time. There's like some Game of Thrones and stuff in there mm-hmm. in a collection called Rogues, which I got for this short story. And The Narrow Road Between Desires is a incredibly bulked out version going from like 10,000 words to 50,000 words like hmm. of that same story, though. Yeah. I love a good so, like, I've been taking collection. my time with it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's about it. And I know I've said it a billion times on pod already, but it's still like fresh in my memories. Go read a memory called Empire, please, everyone. Aaron actually it's bought so that good. book in our last book haul because he was like, Jafar said we need to read this. <laughs> it's so good. Good. Let me know. Hopefully you guys get a chance to read it before Vegas. Mm. Because I'd love to have a drink and talk about that book. We will that pencil lovely. that in. <laughs> Fantastic. Javier, I want to know, since we've talked a little bit yeah. about holidays and holiday schedule, it is in pod time one month past the holidays. But yes. let's go back and revisit a little bit of that joy. And tell me what was the one best Christmas gift you got this year? Job security. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, a I mean, pretty real, important real one. talk. Uh Yeah, there was a bunch of movement there in my professional life. Mm -hmm. Um, I started a new role a couple weeks ago now, um, but I had interviewed right before Christmas and gotten a couple of offers in. And actually, Christmas weekend, I had to make a decision about my future, about where I was going to go and all that stuff. So so actually, legit, the best gift I got was job security. Um, I know that's a shitty kind of (laughs) amorphic answer. Sometimes this um, is the way things are. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, correction, it's not a shitty answer. It's a very adult answer, and it's mm-hmm. not a very fun answer. My mom got me that Myrtle book that's like Sudoku, but you're like solving crimes. Oh, wow. And that I have has not been heard of this. a good time user. Okay. Um, a good time waste. Yeah. I got Super Mario RPG for my Switch, which is a game from my childhood that I really enjoyed. Cool. We're recording very late. It's probably most listeners who are regulars can tell by my CBD voice. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm wearing a bathrobe that my partner got me that is incredibly comfy. It looks and so cozy. comfy. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I got some, I got a bit, little bit of a haul this year, I suppose. Mm-hmm. How about you? I felt like I got a bit of a haul too. You know, I think the, it's hard to pick a favorite even, but uh, I got one of those aura frames for my office mm-hmm. and, <laughs> Aura, come sponsor this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, you listen to a lot Anyone. of podcasts when you order the Aura frames and the the Casper mattress and. The <laughs> I subscribe to Trade. No shame. Yeah, the Lumi Labs gummies and all that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Aura frame is really cool, and you know, to be able to. Set I'm not that... familiar. Oh, you, you're not familiar with this? Well, it's a digital frame 
you know, seems like nothing special, okay. but it has the app that you can invite multiple people to it. So like the one we have at home, um, Aaron's sister is invited to it. So she can just pop photos on there of her kids whenever she wants. Oh, you know? that's cool. Yeah. Whenever they do something cute, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so he got me one for my office so that like if he's at home with the baby, he could just pop a photo on there for me so I can see how cute my baby's being at that moment. And I know you could do it via text message and iPhones and all that, but there's something really special about the frame on your desk, you know? Um, so he got me that. And he also got me a really cool Star Trek scarf that I will have to send you a picture of. But it's like, it's kind of like that Fair Isle print style. Um, okay. But it's got enterprises on it and it's got deltas on it and it says to boldly go and it's a gray scarf cool. so if you're not looking at it super close it could just be like oh look at this fashionable lady and her fashionable scarf and it's actually covered in star trek you know <laughs> yeah i think you know, it's cute also yeah i mean you won't want that in vegas but it might be fun to have <laughs> right. uh, this has come up twice listener because uh we have just booked our tickets for star trek las vegas i'm coming back i'm so excited we're going Ben and uh, his wife from last time on are going. Mm -hmm. uh, other friends of mine from college are going. Our, our buddy, friend of the pod, Austin, is going. Mm -hmm. And we bought this giant block of seats, reserved seating, all right next to each other. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, I can't wait. Creation yeah. should like give us some kind of bump for how many people we're bringing. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well they're doing fine they don't need us mm -hmm. we need them if anything <laughs> sure <laughs> all right well i got one more for you laura yep what is your current tv binge or new show you've been digging yeah i think we've done this one before but you know it's one yeah. of those things once you binged it you get a new one right yeah i checked we i asked in july so okay yeah no. We should be good. We've found new shows by then, and we've probably cycled through a few, right? My current binge, and I'm late to this party, like I'm late to every party that involves TV or movies, is Shameless from Showtime. Okay. It's on Netflix now. Uh, got into it because I really like the guy from The Bear, Jeremy Allen White. <laughs> yeah, The Bear's so good. Yeah, and I was like, this is sort of the foundation this is why he got cast in the bear like period okay so uh, i wanted to see what his character was like in this and i just cannot stop watching it is so good <laughs> shameless is very high on my last time on a list yes. right now i really like, want it, you boys to do it <laughs> it, it it is I mean, if i win predictions and i'm I mean, it's very close right now, uh -huh. the predictions between Vic, Ben, and I. I will probably pick Shameless. Oh, is it Winner Picks, the next show? Yeah. Oh. Winner Picks, the next show. Um, and obviously, recording schedules and stuff. This episode will come out in a couple of weeks from our current time. So I think those episodes will have aired. But I just rolled the dice to get us to the finale. Oh, wow. I just had a, like a super high ro roll. We haven't even recorded that episode yet. But that episode, I think, will be out by the time this one airs. If not, it will be the next one. So I guess you get a little preview. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I rolled a like 20-something. Like I, I got an absurdly high roll. And it just we went from the start of season 10 to just the series finale. Wow. So we'll know in a couple of weeks who won. I'm excited. I, I 
kind of want it to be you just because I want you guys to get shameless. I just need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what yeah, about shows. yours? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beth and I just finished The Bear. Yeah. Maybe two or three weeks ago. That's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we've moved on from The Bear to a show that we missed the train on forever ago, Orphan Black. I've also heard of this one, but I did not get that train also missed me. Go figure. <laughs> We're on like episode seven or eight of the first season right now, and it's really good. Um, it's really starting to grab my attention. It's nice to have a little TV date. Hmm. Yeah. So that's been our thing lately. Um, and then the the new show I've been watching, I found an absolutely absurd anime that I'm in love with. Oh, yeah. I love an absurd yeah. anime. Do tell. This is this show is insane. It's called Mashal, Muscle and Magic. Okay. So the premise is it's Harry Potter world, right? Sure. Everyone's a magician and there are a handful of babies born without magic and they're just like I think it's implied that they're put to death. Ooh. Like it's it's grim. Um like either that or you don't live a good life or something For like sure. if you're not a magic user, you're an outcast. And so grandpa has this little baby boy who can't use magic, right? Uh-huh. And so he takes his grandson out into the woods to hide him from society. Uh-huh. And he is of a like age to go to college, right? Uh-huh. And so, but right around then, someone from Magic Police finds out he's there. This is sounding very telepath psychor like vibes, but go ahead. It, this show, <laughs> no, no, it, it's about to take its hard turn. Okay. And so the thing about Mashal, the ma- Mash is the main character, right? Uh-huh. Um, he can't use magic, but he's just like a super gym bro. Okay. And so he fakes having magic. Like, so they're like, well, you're the right age. You've got to go to magic university now, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fake it. Otherwise, you'll be put to death. Your grandpa will be put to death. Like, you, you know, this whole thing. And so he's all like, well, I've got to prove to society that people without magic are worthwhile having in society. Mm. And so he's like super determined to like be the valedictorian of of magic school without (laughs) having magic. And so like it's broom flying class and he's like anime strong. So he throws his broom in the air and then jumps and catches it and like runs his legs so fast that he floats (laughs) and stuff right like he's like faking magic because he's such a gym bro and that's the premise of the show there's like these people who are all like oh i'm gonna cast this spell and all this stuff and he just like runs up on them snaps their wand in half and punches them in the face yeah (laughs) it's hilarious yeah i wish i could respond that way to every disagreement i have just snap their wand and (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes the piss out of a lot of anime tropes mm. with like the auxiliary characters. It's like besides just make making fun of like magic worlds and Harry Potter and fantasy in general, it also is like very targeted. Like all of the characters in his crew are, you know, they're at magic school and they're all like different anime stereotypes. Oh, yeah. And so that it lets the show make fun of that in addition to all of the other stuff that it's doing. I love a it's self-aware a media. Yeah. So yeah, Mashal, Muscle and Magic. It's on Funimation, I think, right. something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the... Crunchyroll, that's it. Crunchyroll, that was what I was looking for. Found it. <laughs> well, that was a nice, light-hearted conversation. 
which unfortunately is the end of that for this episode because we've got season five, episode 10, a tragedy of telepaths. Yeah, I guess we figured out the plural of telepaths or what is it? The herd noun or what do they call that? The group noun? Oh, 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 that is the implication of this title, isn't it? I didn't even think of it like that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Hmm. We open on Lockley giving us a diary entry about regretting taking the B5 job because it was for the wrong reason and summarizes the telepath crisis for us, the attacks on the Interstellar Alliance, and Londo's pending emperorhood. It feels like this was an episode after a break. Yeah. Like they had taken a couple weeks off and they kind of, this feels a little shoehorned in almost. And I guess Londo didn't get to leave Centauri Prime or he left and came back in between this the last this and the last episode where we saw him. I don't think he's left yet. He definitely wanted to leave. He was yeah. like, get me on the next plane home. <laughs> yeah, because part of the conversation, like before this episode runs through its B-plot on Satari Prime, one of the comments he makes is like, our flight's in like two days, dude. Like, we are leaving so soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not soon enough, but so yeah. soon. Lockley calls Bester for help because I buried the lead on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big thing here. Yeah, she's got a solution that no one's going to like, and that is Bester. Yep. After theme, Lockley and Zach discuss how the Teeps are staying holed up so well by giving the workers on the other side terrible psychic visions of bombs. Yeah. Uh, this is the way to do it, right, though? Like... Well, this is an OSHA violation for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you're a telepath trying to keep people away from you, Really, yeah. the best way is to like scare them with Make something them that's, that's not you, mm-hmm. but something that they can't ignore and are really afraid of. They've got it. Lockley decides she's going to go in and try to end this. And we pan over to Byron and very quickly find out that this isn't her idea. Oh, and that feels so squeaky, doesn't it? (laughs) This isn't just her, like, being a diplomat and a great captain and whatever. Yeah, this is Byron's machinations. Yeah. So we, we found out Londo didn't leave Centauri Prime. Yeah. He's got a little mystery. He's checking the budgets. He's looking at some reports. This reminded me of the Deep Space Nine episode where Quark solves the mystery for the Klingons by just looking at the accounting paperwork. I mean, it always comes back to the accounting paperwork, Jafar. There's so much you can find out, so much you can know. Yeah. Yeah. And the Centauri government's (laughs) accounting standards are probably pretty interesting, right? (laughs) They love their bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And their bureaucracy is spending a lot on war stuff. Still, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the cycle of when we're no longer at war, we should be investing in peace and the Mm -hmm. advancements that are made in peacetime, taking care of our people, making sure they're not hungry, making sure the uh, welfare is taken care of. And Centauri government's Mm -hmm. not doing that. It'd be so weird for a government not to do that, right? Oh, it's bizarre that if a government were just can maintain a perpetual state of war for I don't know, 60, 70 years at this point without focusing inward on the well-being of their people. That's 
absurd. There'd be there'd have been a revolution if that were to actually happen. Yeah, tomorrow. this is fantastical. Never happened. Yeah, right? never happened. <laughs> Uh, Jakar is throwing shade here. He, uh, my favorite line was, with everyone on the same side, maybe you're going to invade yourselves this time. Hmm. <laughs> and this is like kind of true, though. Yeah. The attacks are very clearly stated to have been dispersed equally among all Interstellar Alliance worlds. Mm-hmm. They don't say it's just the League worlds. They're like, no, everyone in the Alliance has been attacked the same amount of time. Yeah, we've said that explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. Which would imply the Centauri are, in fact, attacking Centauri cargo ships just so that they're to relieve suspicion. Yeah, they would have to, wouldn't they? Because if everyone is being attacked equally except the Centauri. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That'd be weird. Yeah. Speaking of weird, Jakar likes his spoof fresh. Yeah. What's the spoof continuity here? Like, I feel like we've seen Spoo a couple of times. Is it always like liquidy in a bowl? I feel like it was a, a lunch meat before. It was on a sandwich, right? With the, yeah. with Bo and Mac? Somebody had it on a sandwich. Yeah. Someone had it on a sandwich. So maybe um, when it's so fresh, I feel like it's It's liquidy? yogurt, maybe. Uh-huh. When it's not, it's yeah. cheese? Yeah, maybe that's it. I feel like this is just like unpressed tofu and tofu is all Spoo is. Could be. Because it's that same white color too. Yeah. Uh, Jakar's just like, no, I just nabbed this off of a a fucking guard. Like whatever. It's on a tray. Centauri don't want it. Yeah. And then like mid bite, it dawns on him that, wait, why would the Centauri be carrying around this thing that the Centauri don't like that only Narns like? Why would they even have that? It's not even that Narns like and Centauri don't. It's that the Centauri, I think, physically can't eat it. Oh, yeah, that's. He a said good something about like it upsets their balance or something like. Oh yeah, too many gas bubbles in the tummy. <laughs> yeah. So they check it out. They find where this guard was going. They're like, okay, the these cells. Oh no, they go there and it's Natoth, y'all. Yeah, we get Natoth. We get to commercial. Caitlin Brown back. Yeah, that would be Natoth number one, right? Not Natooth? Yes, not Natooth. Yeah. Natoth was at STLV two years ago. She was. Julie Caitlin Brown. I hope she comes back this year. Me so too. I, can, I will find an action figure and get it signed to add to my slow-growing collection of autographed Babylon 5 action figures. We should see if she'd do a picture on. with the two of us and put it on the oh, social media yeah. or something. <laughs> we really need to get a portable recorder. Yeah, for the con. That'll um, be fun. The, yeah. Maybe it's something that will come out of that listener. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But uh, Natoth, when we come back, is just like, did we win the war? Did we get the win this time? Like, big yikes. Oh, so sad, yeah. You know, she gives us, like, her point of view, the Narn POV. Mm-hmm. has everything that went down. You know, we get some shots while she's monologuing of what was happening on Narn. And then we also get uh, Londo kind of reliving his part in the whole deal. Genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Friendly reminder, Londo committed genocide. (laughs) And we get Jakar's righteous anger back, which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, he's just been all jokes and having fun. Yeah. 
And he gets, we see old Jakar resurface here. Yeah, he, he blames Londo for this personally, which, fair. <laughs> I mean, Londo is like, look, the wheels of Centauri bureaucracy never stop turning, and they often leave much behind. He tells a story of a guard who stood in the middle of a courtyard for 200 years because they added it to a rotation to guard a flower mm-hmm. and just never bothered to correct it. This does feel very real, right? <laughs> yeah. This does seem like a thing that might happen in the American military. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've heard a story similar to this. Just some just some random resources, yeah. Yeah. Lando can't help until he becomes emperor. Jakar needs it faster to move faster than that. Um, then we cut over to Lockley, who's going all John McClane, working her way through the ducks. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. I feel like this episode had a lot more of Lockley in her underwear than was necessary. Because <laughs> when she's giving her diary entry in the beginning, you know, she's getting yeah. out of bed and in her underwear, and then she's crawling through this tube, and okay, she's just like in her tank top or whatever, but I was like, okay, I see you, TNT. Like famous sex symbol Tracy Scugans. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I see you, TNT. I see you knowing who your audience is. Yeah, they were really hoping to pull the uh, Monday Night Nitro crowd over with these ones. Mm-hmm. Garibaldi talks with Sheridan and actually has a good point for a change. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> An interesting turn from Garibaldi. Yeah, he, he's worried more about the loose telepaths, which have only been mentioned in passing so far by Lockley. Mm-hmm. And you could actually be forgiven if you thought in the last episode that maybe they were all gone, because I think some of them committed a crime at the end. Maybe some of them got a little beat up, but, you know, they weren't. I feel like the loose telepaths aren't super well defined because we don't know any of them. It would be a lot better if one of them had like a name to us. Yeah, we don't. There's a couple that are we've seen a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, there, that Native American telepath, I feel like, has been in almost every scene with Byron, mm-hmm. but never given a name. Yeah, they're ill-defined, and then they all kind of have a similar look. They're all dressed the same. Yeah, they're they're all dressed the same. They have a long hair thing going on. The Anne Rice vampire like den. Yeah. But I, I will say we do have a couple of lines from one later today in, in this episode. And we'll get to it. But I immediately recognized this person. Wow. Okay. And did some research. And <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> That's quite a reaction. <laughs> yeah. But Garibaldi has to remind us here that we should care. <laughs> yeah. The Drazi have found evidence pointing the attacks at the Brakiri. Garibaldi waxes poetic about how some men just want to see the world burn. Very pessimistic view there, Alfredo. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, he goes on a whole tirade about how it's just people want to see the thing fail and they don't believe in anything. Yeah, he believes in nothing. He believes in nothing, Labolsky, nothing. I think this is kind of rich coming from Mr. Garibaldi, the one For who sure. believes in nothing as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
luckily works her way into the telepath bunker and tries to talk them into leaving, which is futile. She's confused. Why let her in just to say no? And Byron says they wanted to say goodbye to her because she has always treated them fairly. Okay. Do you? Th- I feel like I missed three episodes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what it, what moments do you think define that exactly? When she didn't release them to Bester, I guess. I guess she didn't want yeah, them to stay. It. She didn't want them to be here. She wasn't yeah. going to give them the space, and then Sheridan gave them the space. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It didn't that doesn't hang quite right for me? I do think Lockley is a fair person. Um, yes, I think she is a good leader, and I'm actually much more impressed with her than I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I'm not quite seeing where this comes together. Yeah, it does feel rushed. Yeah, it was not. It just didn't feel right. Jakar arranges for a Narn ship to pick up Natoth while they are mid-flight after they leave Centauri Prime. When a palace aid? Yeah. I'm guessing. I was pe- I was pegging her more like some noble lady who just has a job of delivering messages or something. Which would be an yeah. aid, wouldn't it? But I don't know. She's got to be in the nobility in some way to have this fabulous dress, right? You're not just yeah. a uniformed person. You are fabulous in your own right. Yeah. Yeah, but she's she's delivering the travel schedule or something. Lando uh, gets an idea for getting the Toth out and asks her to disrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not the first time she's gotten this request, as we find out as she actually says with her mouth but uh the way she responds you can tell it's not her first request (laughs) yeah i was not a fan of that line (laughs) same so as we have talked amongst ourselves and i don't know if we've mentioned it to the listener yet but we will be giving the listener a whole spiel about it soon i'm working on developing another podcast right now with Mm -hmm. a co-host that theme is different types of media, post-apocalyptic media specifically. And the topic came up in our first episode of queer coding villains. And now that I, now that it came up in that, I'm just seeing it everywhere. And speaking of queer coding villains, Cartagia apparently liked to put on her dresses. So. (laughs) Yeah. We've got this genocidal monster who is going to Mm -hmm. kill all of his own people. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's just throw in a little queer, just to really drive home how much you shouldn't like him. I fucking hate it. Oh, it's so fucking wrong. It's just, it's wrong. It's disgusting. It serves no purpose. It's right. not even funny. Yeah, it's a cheap um, shot, and it, it's a cheap shot that I think people were definitely. Well, they're still taking it today. Some people, um, yeah, in the nineties, it's a cheap shot at a guy who's been dead for a season. Yeah. And that was arguably one of the worst, like most evil characters on this show. Yeah. He's the Hitler analog for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the other Hitler analogs. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except for all the others. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Don't love that. Don't need yeah. to have jokey jokes just for the sake of jokey jokes when they punch nope. down like that. Yeah. Back at B5, the ISA meeting takes place with the Drazi threatening war with the Rakiri. The game blamed the Drazi in the same manner. 
Sheridan comes through. These pieces were left in order to sow discord. We analyze them and the, the lines are too clean. It's a fake. Lando tells the guard to let Natoth starve to death and to brick off the cells in a few days. And then starts to disguise Natoth in order to get her out. Bester arrives and is greeted by Lockley. He gets a quick told you so in. I just want to point out that yeah. this was 30 minutes in. I time stamped this. 30 minutes yeah. before we get Bester. <laughs> we took our There'll time. Be more. He's in a couple of episodes here. Yeah. So. That's the only reason that's okay. If you If you tease Bester to me in the tagline for the episode, mm-hmm. I should get some we Bester. We expect to see him before 30 minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. Back on Centauri Prime, the escape plan attempt goes through. Natoth has a veil on her head to hide her face and a Centauri dress. And Lando is escorting her and a bottle of Bravari to the transport. Mm-hmm. Putting on a Oscar-worthy performance. <laughs> yeah, he's acting super drunk and obnoxious so that everyone just ignores him. They know he's about to become Emperor yeah. So they're just all like, oh, well, another one. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is more of the same. Uh, humans be like this, though. <laughs> yes. If you uh, feel like you shouldn't be seeing something, you just naturally want to turn your face away. Mm-hmm. He's he's being just very ignore it, yeah. very smart like a fox. In the next scene, we have some, well, I say some guy because we didn't give these telepaths names. Mm-hmm. Painting free Byron on the side of a wall. <laughs> this is the guy I clocked. All right. Tell me about this guy, because all I clocked was that it was very funny that he was doing this. <laughs> so he, when he started speaking, I'm like, oh, shit, I know that voice. I know that voice. I know that voice. This is Lee McCloskey. Um, Where I know him from is as Joran Dax in DS9, which is the murderer host. Oh. But he's recast. So two actors play that role over this. Well, uh, several actors play that role over the series when we count Avery Brooks and uh, Terry Farrell. Uh-huh. But this is specifically the one who helps Esri solve the murder in that terrible season seven episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this guy was also in Dallas. He was in a ton of soaps. He's real that guy. Mm-hmm. So I looked up his Wikipedia page. In part of my research. Oh, no. And I noticed that he was not listed as actor, but primarily as artist philosopher. Oh, boy. Okay. Are we up our own ass a little bit? Dig. Um, so he makes the books from horror movies. Okay. Um, and I do mean that, like, some of his books have been used as, like, these books in horror movies, uh-huh. but he makes books in, like, Alien languages depicting weird and bizarre art has art pieces. Okay. He like makes grimoires and stuff in completely unhuman language things. And that's just like what he does with his time. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I, I figured someone had to make them as props. So following that logically, someone would make them as like pieces of art as well Uh i recommend googling and looking through some of his book titles because man guy's got some choices (laughs) i will let the audience do their own research on this one because i think it's more fun for me to not say it and more fun for you to read it in your head however 
you would read that in your head. (laughs) I look forward to this homework. Yeah. Just a little podcast homework. There will not be a quiz. Do not worry. (laughs) Just have fun. It's just for fun. Yeah. These teeps know Bester is here. And they're like, let's go get some weapons. Guns. Lots of guns. I I have thoughts, but you know what? I'm going to save them. I'm going to save it for when we talk about how we feel. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So they're going to go get some weapons. And just as Zach is convinced, or well, it's not Zach, it's Bester. Just as Bester is convincing the worker that no, there is no bomb. Yeah, he blocks the other telepaths and fucks with his mind even more. Once again, what's OSHA? Yeah. Yeah. Simultaneously, the other telepaths are taking down somebody guarding the weapons locker. They get a bunch of weapons, and we get a really good shot here. While Bester and Lockley talk in the background, before they like cut up and show us some more explicitly, mm-hmm. in the background, we can see the teeps rushing into the hallway and taking up position. Yeah, yeah. And they're just completely unaware. Yeah. It's a really well done show. They've got to be throwing like a dampening field or something, right? Yeah. Killing everybody's peripherals. I want you to use your peripherals. Zach saves Bester and Lockley's lives when the firefight starts. Lots of people are injured. Two dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Zach and Bester have a little bit of a, a tiff. Yeah. Bester doesn't care about mundanes who die. Yeah, dead, dead mundanes. I don't. Why would I? They're not my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're the superior humans. Homo superior, isn't that what he? Yeah. Called himself or something. Get some like real that. Magneto vibes going on. Yeah. Those in the bunker, of course, telepathically feel all this violence and are sad. So sad. Morning. Uh, John and Delenn uh, use the White Stars to maintain peace between the offended worlds. Uh, They need to wait, and they can react as part of the Alliance instead of separate from it. The Drazi are offended. Mm, They do not like threats. Yeah. Even the Brakiri, who were not invading anyone and were just going to be invaded, are like, respect our sovereignty, bro. Mm -hmm. We should be able to get invaded if we want to get invaded. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Alliance might be fracturing a little... Yeah. Seems a little shaky. Uh, Natoth makes it to her ride home to the Narn homeworld, and we see a bunch of Psychop soldiers come in through space TSA. Lockley has a diary entry to close us out. Tomorrow the storm comes. Tonight is the last chance to sleep. This is totally a, this scene was written for Ivanova to talk about the hour of the wolf, and I had to change it vibe. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But that's it. That's the episode. That's it. How do you feel about it? I liked this episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I sense um, a little dissent. Let's let's get into it. This episode has a lot of problems. I have to just block out the latent queer quoting on Katarsha because it just upsets me greatly. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary. Um, completely unnecessary. And so removing that from the episode. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode is probably a three and a half for me. Okay. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff with Jakar and Lando's banter. We get to see 
very much season one Jakar and Londo interacting within the confines of season five Jakar and Londo. Jakar with his righteous anger and Londo with his drunk shenanigans. I will grant you this. I will grant you that Jakar and Londo are acting according to their characters. It is fun. I like mm-hmm. it. I'm I'm on board with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um I I mean Londo has to be a drunk piece of shit to save Natoth. Mm-hmm. Londo has to save Natoth, mm-hmm. which is interesting and complex as it is given she was like an assassin who probably tried to kill him at one point mm-hmm. um jakar has to let himself feel the anger that he has not let himself feel for years at this point and so that is a very interesting turn for both of their characters and it is a good moment it is a good what i think i don't remember exactly but i feel like this is the last moment of reflection back on who they were before we get into the Centauri storyline stuff that's coming. Yeah, I do like this a lot. And uh, Londo feels alive again. I think he says that as much. Like, mm-hmm. man, I can't remember the last time that I had this Yeah, much when he was fun. piloting down in Epsilon 3, probably. Yeah, that's a good call. Lockley, while needlessly underclothed, <laughs> um, does have some good stuff this episode. I think she makes the hard call in bringing in Bester, knowing that John is not going to support her. Mm-hmm. And she knows it's a shitty call and she hates it, but she's got to do something. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, it's good to see her, even though it is not. I don't think it's like solely Byron implanting it in her brain. Um, I think he nudged something that was there, probably. Mm-hmm. Just because otherwise, like we would be having whole different conversations about telepaths and mundanes. If you could make someone do something like that, that easily, Mm -hmm. it's a whole separate thing than what we've seen out of telepaths thus far. So I think it was probably just more of a nudge than a, I am taking control of your mind and making you do a thing that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. At the very least, that's my read on it, which also makes that infinitely more palatable. Yeah, this is where... It breaks for me and it breaks in a big way is because if we can see Byron making this nudge and it's not it's not said that, you know, it had to be the combined effort of them all together. Yeah. They it explicitly isn't because Lita's like, did you get through? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I didn't hear back, but I like I think it's implied that he made an invitation for her to come in. Right. Based off of his conversation with Lita. So combine that with these loose telepaths we've got running around. And it seems Mm -hmm. like something that this group should have been doing this whole time, perhaps. You know, maybe we are still clinging to the respect mundane's privacy or whatever. Is maybe planting nudges all over the station. Yeah. Like you nudge enough of the local populace who maybe, you know, does feel kind of indifferent, you nudge those minds a little bit, and it's going to make a wave for you. And that hasn't been going on. And even the loose telepaths that are the X factor in this episode, out there, loose on the board, could have been doing something similar. Yeah. And also probably should have 
already investigated the weapons situation if they're that aggressive. Like, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. The telepath part is breaking for me a lot. Love the Centauri Prime. Love Londo. Love that we get Natoth for a little while and get some resolution for her. You know, it's yeah. it's almost that satisfactory ending that we don't really get for all of Narn with Jakar. Mm-hmm. We get at least some satisfaction and some closure for him to getting to rescue Natoth like this. And that feels good. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to give this one a two and a half just because the telepath story is breaking apart a little bit for me. And it's so it's the A. It feels like it's the A plot of this, right? It's called a tragedy of telepaths. It is the A plot. Mm -hmm. And to have such a big break is disappointing. Yeah. I do think that this might be the best episode of the telepath arc. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. Well, we've already Uh, had the sex. How much worse can it get? (laughs) Yeah. As made clear, it's ending very soon when we look at our episode description of season five, episode 11, Phoenix Rising. The fight with Byron's followers gains intensity. Garibaldi and Dr. Franklin are in Medlab when it's seized. The telepath crisis eventually comes to a horrific end, and Garibaldi swears a personal vendetta on Bester. He didn't have one already? (laughs) Right. That doesn't make sense. Hmm. Of course he did. Horrific end. This is just like a big hole in my mind. Well, there might be a reason for that. (laughs) We'll talk about it next week. But before we do, we'd like to say thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme music. We really appreciate your contribution to the podcast, Jeremy. Thank you so much. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com, where he is the only Jeremy Siegel that makes music, or on your favorite streaming services as Nuclear Jaguar. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thanks, Aaron, for editing our podcast and covering up all of my ridiculously long pauses because I'm half asleep on CBDT right now. This is not the most difficult episode that we've put out recently, though. (laughs) I'm proud of us. (laughs) And thank you to the listener for being here with us. We enjoyed talking about this for you, and I hope you enjoyed hearing about it. And you should come join us in the Discord and talk more about it. If you're not a Discord person, we would love to hear from you at our email, whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. And you know what? You should give this podcast a rating and review. That would really help us out. We would appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with a little more Babylon 5, a little more telepaths. See you next week, Internet. Bye. Bye.